former U.S. National Rugby Team captain. Team captain. Head coach and general manager. General manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm Alex Magleby, your host, also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Allison Fillmore, Executive Director of the Tour Championship. She is awesome, and she's cut her teeth in all sides of the sports entertainment business. So excited to dig into it with her. She's been in the WNBA. She's been in the NFL, NASCAR. She's seen it all. And even I heard a rumor she may have played a little with the U.S. Racquetball, national racquetball team, which is very cool. So looking forward to chatting with Allison, is learning as much as we can for the Free Jacks and sharing that with all our great listeners out there. So thanks for joining me, Allison. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know it's so busy right now. You guys are getting ready for the Tour Championship. We well, are. We're going to start with a, a bit of a word, word game. I'm just going to name a word, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay, I'm bad at this. I'm just warning you. That's the fun part. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always change my word afterwards. I'm like, wait, no. I could have said something else. It would have been so much better. Okay. <laughs> Ohio. Home. Cleveland Browns. Heartbreak. Atlanta Falcons. More heartbreak. <laughs> COVID. The worst heartbreak. Racquetball. First sport I loved. Rugby? A sport I don't know much about, but what I've seen has been so much fun. It's like golf, but you're running around tackling each other. Exactly. I mean, right? White balls into something. <laughs> Mulligan. Something I use quite a bit. <laughs> Branch Snedeker. Charity. And the only reason I bring that up is because every summer when the, you know, spring, summer, when the, when the tour starts, I get text messages because, and pictures of... Brent and me put together because he's such a doppelganger. Honestly, you really are. (laughs) You definitely are. That or Lexi Lawless. So either way. (laughs) So this rumor is true. You did play racquetball. I did. I played played on the U.S. junior national team. Um, So I started playing when I was, oh gosh, fourth or fifth grade. Um, My mom was really, really good at tennis. And she got to the point where she was, she kept beating everybody she was playing. So she wanted to switch sports. So she switched to racquetball. And I was following around. We were, um, my parents got divorced when I was younger. So I kind of just kind of followed my mom around when she went to go play. And I picked it up. I played my first tournament and I won. And I never looked back from there and got the opportunity to try out for the U.S. national team uh, three times and made it on my last try. So I trained at the U.S. Olympic Training Center, um, and everyone asked me what is the coolest thing about it, and I keep saying the food. They have the best food ever. (laughs) So... um, it was an amazing experience for me. It really was. Uh, I, I, I haven't played racquetball, unfortunately, since I had my first daughter, which was about 11 years ago. Um, but I'm still very active, work out all the time, and it's kind of my, my obsession right now, so during the COVID world. Interesting. So, yeah, kids like this for me and workouts like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how old are your kids? So Piper's five and Charlie and James just turned three. So we, 
the full house. Yeah. Yes. So you're you're still in the you're in the thick of it. I'm kind of on the downhill turn of that. So mine are eight and eleven. So they're very um, they're very independent. They like to do what they like to do. And sometimes mom is cool, and sometimes mom is not. So it all depends on the day. Um, so they they they'll come down and they'll do workouts with me in the morning. Um, it's it's fun. That's really cute. How do you like speaking of how do you manage all that? Because you're executive director of a very like the peak of of golf, and you have a husband. You have you have the two kids. Yep. For animals, you name it. I mean, um, look, my husband is super supportive. He really is. He's great. And, and we have schedules that are all over the place. Honestly, the whole COVID situation, we've been able to manage it a little bit better. Just we're both home. I'm in the office today. Uh, we, we house out of a very small little office right across the street. It's like golf club. But I live right around the corner from here. So it's super easy for me to get here. Um, we just have to be really, we have to communicate a lot. Um, hey, you grab the girls here or, you know, I'm taking the girls. We're going here or I'm going to the office. I've got a meeting, you know, we're always talking. We have a family calendar that we work off of and um, communication is key during these times. And then you're halfway through that and the babysitter cancels and it's like, okay, who can get home first? How's that going to work? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you're, you're going to stay home for a half hour and in, in the time frame that we are both running rampant. So the girls, um, and I had to grow up a lot over this last couple of months, honestly. I, I hate to say it, but with COVID and, you know, teaching from home and virtual learning, and they actually start school on Monday. Oh, wow. Virtual learning on Monday. So it's been a lot of just kind of explaining to them what's going to be new this year. You know, we have a group of friends that they play with, but we don't, we don't really let them run rampant. Um, group of friends that, you know, we trust their parents' decisions on what they've been doing with their kids. So... Um, they kind of been playing in a little bit of a pod. How are you managing the office right now, given COVID and everything else? Is everybody working from home? I mean, you guys have an event here. Upstairs, we have offices. So as I mentioned before, we work out of a home. And right now, I'm in the master bedroom. <laughs> so I have a closed office. There are two other bedrooms which are utilized as offices. So those folks are in there as well. But downstairs, our sales team kind of works in a bunker in a basement. And um, we are staggering work schedules. A lot of them are working from home. Because right now, they're having a lot of difficult conversations with clients, right? So we're trying to figure out what, what this all looks like for our event this year and what it's going to look like moving forward. So um, a lot of those conversations are being, being held in their homes as it's just easier for them to work from those areas. Um, when need be, we'll be coming into the office, but we have full PPE gear, masks, wiping everything down, um, making sure that everything is clean and ready for, for our staff. So we're being very, very careful. We have to take our temperature when we um, get up in the morning before we come into the office, we have to answer a questionnaire from the PGA Tour. Um, so there are a lot of precautions put in place that are way different than anything we, we've ever had to deal with. Right. It's great. I'm really excited to dig into kind of how you guys are managing the tour side. In terms of your staff right now, like what is the org chart? How do you, how have you designed that as the executive director? Who do you have to report to? Is there a board? Is that like, who are you managing up to? Who are you managing down to? What's the? Sure. 
So uh, I work for the PGA Tour. Not many tournaments actually do. Most tournaments are co-sanctioned events. We are we work for the arm of the PGA Tour called Championship Management. And what that is, that's the arm of the PGA Tour that owns and operates events. So we run the Players' Championship, all the um, World Golf Championship events, the Northern Trust in the playoffs, as well as the Tour Championship and a couple of Champions Tour and Form Fury Tour events. So I, I report to my Senior Vice President of Championship Management, which is Matt Rapp. We have a staff here of nine folks, and that includes me. So we have, under myself, I have a tournament director that manages all of our sales aspects. And he has a team of four folks, a salesperson and a sales coordinator. We have a tournament services manager and a tournament services coordinator. Those folks are handling our volunteers. They're also interacting with the club as well as our clients. Once a contract is signed, they handle all deliverables. And then we have our operations manager. And right now, you know, we pretty much build a city out on a golf course every single year. We usually start that build about June 1 for an event that's at the end of August. It's been a little bit different this year due to no fans. So we've really cut back on the build this year and what we're building out. So we're going to still have a volunteer headquarters because we do have to have volunteers that are going to be on site this year. Um, some smaller tents and such for testing but uh, our build looks completely different than it was so we've got about nine folks that that work here full-time well so this is this is the pinnacle of golf pinnacle of pga top 30 golfers in the world the winner is the fedex champion right yes and he walks away with 15 million dollars it's crazy and so and there's only nine full-time employees you mentioned you have a director of sales is that person the tournament directors, that person, ticket sales, hospitality, and partnerships? Is it all kind of rolled up into one? So we have an inside sales group. Let me back up a little bit. Being a part of the tour and having the tour resources is very helpful. That's why we have such a small group. We lean heavily on the tour. Our marketing team is there, our PR team, our social team, all handled through Ponte Vedra where the PGA Tour headquarters are located. Um, our tournament director handles hospitality and sponsorship sales. We have an internal um, sales department down in Ponte Vedra, an inside sales department that handles the majority of those smaller ticket sales um, packages and such. We utilize Ticketmaster for all that we do on ticket sales. So our marketing is directly correlated with how many tickets we sell. So that's a, that's a little bit different than it typically is with most sports teams because you typically have a ticket sales department on site as well as a sponsorship sales department. I would say about 80% of our sales are hospitality, about 20% sponsorship. We are pretty specific with the PGA Tour. Our proud partners, which are Coca-Cola and Southern Company, get majority of the assets that we have. So our sponsors um, on site are mostly local sponsors that we work with that provide uh, specific assets, like a hospital partner that's here that provides first aid and medical for our players and for our fans and volunteers. Um, and there's some other other creative opportunities that we work with our sponsors on but majority of our sales do come from hospitality 
And uh, we have a great Atlanta market that supports this event uh, like none other. So super appreciative of, of the Atlanta market. 120-year-old golf course. Hey, Bobby Jones. Home of Bobby Jones. First place he played, last place he played. The history here is amazing. Whole, it, it, you know, the 1963 Ryder Cup had the last playing captain and Arnold Palmer. I mean, so many amazing things have happened at this club. So the history here is just, just it really makes sense that we crown the FedEx Cup champion such a historic club. Amazing. And, and is that, do you shut it down all summer or are people, are members still golfing? Members are still golfing. We shut it down about a week before the tournament and then it opens up another week after. So, you know, people love to see the different structures that are out on the course and playing because they actually feel like they're playing, you know, right where the guys are. Um, we have an event that happens right after the tournament. It's called our AMM where people and guests can play the actual pin locations from the day prior to the person that won the FedEx Cup. So it's it's really exciting for a lot of our companies to come out that next day and play those same pin locations. And you guys have this very good community feel with, I think, what you've done with Eastlake, it seems like, but also just PGA in general and the Tour Championship is an outlier. You guys give a lot of money to charity. We do. Um, we, all of our tournaments are required to make a charitable impact within the communities that they serve. And the PGA Tour just celebrated a milestone um, at the beginning of the year where we hit $3 billion. That's a billion with a B um, for our, chari our charities in, in the places that we play. The PGA Tour gives more back than the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball combined, So, and, and, as well as the NHL. So uh, last year, we were able to give back $3.5 million to the Eastlake Foundation, um, Purpose-Built Schools Atlanta, the Grove Park Foundation, and the first tee of Metro Atlanta. And that's super important for us. And that's something that we're struggling with right now because, right, you know, the fans are what supports the event and provides that that impact for our charities. So we're, we're exhausting every single option right now, trying to come up with the most meaningful way to impact those charities. Uh, so whether it's, you know, auctions or raffles or text to donate uh, we're getting really creative right now and how we can help those charity partners i love that that, that that revenue is primarily tickets and hospitality it's an hospitality yes yeah. and then we're in the middle of starting our foundation Fujax foundation the best way we can get believers in sport but particularly rugby to change communities and empower uh, young people and families it's just such a Powering sport, um, non-contact rugby, contact rugby, but just giving everybody a chance because you got to be a decision maker. Everybody gets to run up the field and hold the ball and make decisions. And ask you or not, you have to support my decision, which is awesome. It's just a great learning tool. And we're trying to figure out the best way to do that, but we're also okay. So, what groups do we partner with? What other charities out there do we partner with? And how did you guys decide to kind of pick those three, four as your core charities to support? So it's a little bit of a different situation for us as um, the East Lake area used to be one of the worst areas in the United States. Um, a huge crime, 97% crime rate, 32% graduation rate. The average age of a grandmother in East Lake used to be 31, I believe. And um, so Tom Cousins, who was instrumental in growing the Atlanta community, Used to, his parents used to actually live in this exact house that we're working out of. 
and he saw that there was an opportunity to come in and buy the golf course and really kind of change this area. So in 1994, he came in, purchased the golf course, put $4 million into it, renovated it, and made it amazing, and said to the PGA Tour, I would love to have an event here. And the PGA Tour was like, whoa, okay, wait a second. You know, we know the statistics, we know the crime rates. And he was like, you've got to believe in me. Please come here. Let, let's, let's work through this. So that's how we became partners with the Eastlake Foundation. The foundation was created in 1995. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary this year. And that's kind of how that was all born. Just recently, we were able to expand our charitable footprint to the Grove Park um, Foundation, as well as Purpose-Built Schools Atlanta. The Eastlake Foundation spun off an organization called Purpose-Built Communities, which basically has an amazing investors in um, Warren Buffett, Tom Cousins, and they have really kind of grown this organization to go into other cities using Eastlake as a roadmap. So it wasn't kind of our choice to choose these charities. It was that partnership that was born when we first started. But my suggestion to you is to go out into the community and really talk, find out what they need, right? You know, what it, it, right now, it might be the, the COVID situation. So you're going out there and it's a COVID relief fund. Are schools an issue? Is poverty an issue? And trying to find out what, what's the core root of the, you know, what does the community need? And kind of work back from them. Listen a lot. Talk to people. Um, that's, that's one thing that I wish I would have done uh, a lot more just my younger self. Is listening is, is that, that really important thing that a lot of times we're thinking about the next thing we're going to say and we're not actually listening to the person that's speaking. So that's kind of my biggest advice on that end. Yeah, and what we're finding, especially with our community in Boston, there's a, there's a facilities access issue. Um, and that, that's a big issue. That's also... It requires a lot of creativity, a lot of expense, bringing a lot of people, folks together to make, make facilities more accessible for sport in general. And then, um, so you take a step back. You got to the, the tour championship. Before that, you were with? NASCAR. NASCAR, okay. Yeah, I was at Atlanta Motor Speedway for about eight years. Um, prior to that, I was with the WNBA. And honestly, the WNBA was an awesome start, was an awesome opportunity for me because uh, when I was with the Falcons, uh, that was my job prior to the WNBA. Um, I was told that I wasn't going to get a job that I applied for, and I knew that I was qualified for it. What? You were told what? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, um, I, I was told that I was a female and I probably wasn't the best person for this role. So, you know, I look at everything as an opportunity, not as a negative experience. So, okay, my, here's my opportunity to do something different, to really kind of dig in. And I found this opportunity with the WNBA where I was the first employee, I got to start the entire team, um, you know, manage processes, procedures. I was the vice president of ticket sales and service for them. And honestly, it was probably one of the best um, situations that I could have that I could have landed in. Um, great experience, such a resume builder, and I learned so many great things. But I can honestly say the biggest thing that I learned was the importance of relationships and how that affects my business. 
because look, I was starting out as this kid that, uh, you know, I was the only one and I, I needed to build a season ticket base, right? So I utilized all my relationships, reached out to people and just started pulling out the phone and calling people. I need your support. I need your support. And we got to, we sold 3000 season tickets, um, to kind of get everything kicked off. And it was amazing. The support of Atlanta was, was huge. That's fantastic. Remind me of the dream. Were they, um, a new member or they come in? They were a new WNBA team um, in 2007. 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did you do that? Like, you just literally were like, okay. A a lot of hours, a lot of personal time, um, you know, but you get people that are passionate and love what they're doing. It's really easy, right? So um, we put together an amazing team um, and then went and hit the pavement and pounded out support from, you know, season ticket holders group. We sold out our first two games uh, at Phillips Arena, which was huge. And, you know, it's all about the fan experience, right? So, and I will say that until I'm blue in the face because your fans are your lifeblood. If you don't have the fans, you don't have the support. You don't have money to do what you need to do. Uh, so the fan experience is super important. So it's about making that, uh, you know, the fear of missing out. What are you doing differently than everybody else? And how do you create that must attend event? Absolutely. That's, that's what we focus on. So when I left, and, and, and I was at the WNBA for two years, and it was 2009, the, our ownership group was in corporate real estate. And as you know, the market tanked and he couldn't afford to keep the doors open. So they were looking for a new owner. I just had a baby and I was going to stay home with her. And I got a call because a friend passed on my resume to Atlanta Motor Speedway. So um, I got this call from Atlanta Motor Speedway. I liked NASCAR. It wasn't, you know, I knew the sport, but I went down there interviewed they flew me around the track in a pace car at like 150 miles an hour i'm like sign me up i want in (laughs) no slow down slow down (laughs) it was so much fun but it was a completely different career path for me because as you know and we've talked about this previously you know sponsorship sales and ticket sales are two different worlds you know, you have a static price on ticket sales and you can really get creative when it comes to sponsorship sales. So I had never done sponsorship sales before. So this is a whole new realm for me. I started as an account executive, moved my way up to corporate sales manager, added in a group sales team for, um, for ticket sales as well, and then made it to executive director and then uh, vice president of sales for Atlanta Motor Speedway. So I learned a ton while I was there. Um, so ticketing and sponsorship merge at the top as EVP, were there still two separate verticals? It was very strange how it was put together, but yes, I was managing group sales and I was managing um, sponsorship sales, but then I we also had a different department for ticket sales, so not the way I would have structured it, <laughs> but um, it worked out for us. Yeah, fantastic. And then how did you end up at the tour championship as executive director. Yeah, um, so I got a call from the PGA Tour in March of 2017, and they asked me if I would look at the tour championship. They wanted my feedback. Being in Atlanta, you know, I I had a um, I'd been around you know the, the event for quite a bit, 
so I met with a gentleman who then in turn told me he was actually looking to hire me for this position. And um, I thought I was very creative and very clever. Uh, I, was, I was happy where I was. I really was. Um, but uh, I, I took the opportunity. I thought to myself, okay, PGA Tour, this sport is growing like crazy. You know, this was right when Tiger Woods was getting kind of coming back into the fold. And there were so many young stars. They just renewed their, their sponsorship with FedEx for an additional 10 years. And I knew that this was a great place to be. And until I started, I never realized how awesome the tour was. Just um, the culture here is amazing. The, the support they provide for their employees is huge. And I'm a remote employee, right? So I'm, I'm, there are many of us throughout the world that they keep us very connected. So it's pretty neat. That's, that's fantastic. So the lesson is go find the right talent and pretend you're going to hire them as a consultant to make them like it enough. To yeah. <laughs> okay, I got this lesson on. That was 2017. Didn't Tiger win it? 18? Like your first year? 18. So my first year, I was actually the senior director of sales. I got promoted to executive director the week after the event. And Tiger was my first tournament. And I've got a really cool story actually about this. Um, so when I was a senior in high school, they asked us to do kind of an internship in the, in the um, industry that we wanted to, to, to work in. And at that point, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So I interned with a local Cleveland Fox uh, newscaster, and we were going to cover a tournament that Jack Nicklaus was at um, on the east side of Cleveland. And he sat down with me and he said, Allison, I want you to go hang out with this guy over here. Jack can be a little bit of a tough interview. So um, meet this gentleman right here. He just got this awesome uh, scholarship to Stanford. He's this new up-and-coming guy. It was Tiger Woods. <laughs> so I rode around in a golf cart for an hour talking to Tiger Woods about racquetball, talking to him about golf, talking about Indians baseball, like all of this stuff. And then, no joke, 20 years later, here I am handing him the trophy. It was the coolest experience of my life. And I tell people this, like outside of my kids being born and getting married, it was the most amazing thing. Standing there on 18 and seeing thousands of people jump the ropes and follow Tiger and, and do it so respectfully, right? Like no one was running up and jumping on him, you know, trying to get his autograph. They respected him. They kind of gave him the space and he just walked down 18 with Rory. And I was just staring wide-eyed. Like I, I, one, that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> um, two, just to see it all happen and, and him win this was his first win in over a thousand days. It was his number 80. It was one of the coolest things, coolest times of my life. It yeah. really was. I asked him to have some ice cream with me at a tournament when I was 18. <laughs> I've given him champagne. This is awesome. <laughs> right? It was amazing. It, now, next, I, haven't, I, haven't, I never said anything to him about it, but one day I will. Hopefully I'll get the opportunity. We'll keep on. So then, that was 18, continued in 19. Ticket sales, it looked like in PGA, just really did well in 19. Yep. So we really did a great job of maximizing one, Tiger One, right? 
So there's an opportunity for him to come back. He won the Masters the next year. You know, like this is, you know, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we took the opportunity to really introduce most of Atlanta to this event and the history now of what's happening. So he won in t- 2018. 2019, we created a lot of great experiences and we were able to do that and really have the floor to talk to more people because of this win in 18. So we went to market right after the win, going to renew our clients. You know, the goal is to get 40% renewal by the time we broke for Christmas and we hit it. And then we just kept the trajectory moving upwards, creating new inventory, making sure people felt welcome, but also listening to our clients, right? You got, the, the hospitality landscape has changed so much over the past couple of years. And now it's changing again. But mostly we're seeing that people want these small, intimate experiences. And they want high-level experiences, especially in Atlanta. So we created this club called the 1904 Club. Super high-end experience, valet parking, champagne when you walk in the door, working with food partners, celebrity chefs, um, high-end merchandise experiences where you're brushing elbows with players. This took our tournament to a next level, and we were able to bring in an, an incremental amount of money that really helped with our charitable impact in the community. So we were always trying to get creative, always trying to think outside the box and what we can do for our clients that would help them with their business. I absolutely love that, creating more intimate experiences that then generate additional revenue to them. Yeah. Look, if it's, if it's super cool, people are going to pay it, right? Um, you know, if they've got that experience, it, that's, it's, the, it's that experience. If they've never been able to feel that before or do that before, um, and there's a limited amount of opportunities to do it, again, creating FOMO, right? So fear of missing out. You've got people that, um, especially after Tiger won, I mean, we sold that thing out in a heartbeat um, because they know that they may have the opportunity to rub elbows with them being in the clubhouse. So... How did you guys connect more with the Atlanta community where it became insane in September in Atlanta? How did you guys do that? What were the actual tactics you used to connect with the boss? Um, you know, we, we use the charities as, as um, great partners. Look, this, this story about Eastlake has, has a connection with the Atlanta community. It really does. So people realize what they're doing really changes the lives of what's going on here. Last year in the community, we have a school, it's called the Drew Charter School. It was formed by the foundation celebrating its 20th anniversary. And last year, the boys golf team was the first African-American boys golf team to win a state championship in Georgia. We also think in the United States, we don't know. No one's really kept that um, really kind of kept those records, but um, what an awesome story to share, right? So it's, it's, it's about working with the community, kind of sh- sharing those stories, and no one ever thought, one, that that would happen, two, that that would happen here, just looking at how crazy this area was just 25 years ago. So it's the connection with the, the community, connection with the charity, and what we're doing in this market that's changing lives that really these companies see and they want to be a part of it because they understand what it's done for this market. And it doesn't hurt when you have the Super Bowl of golf 
Azure tournament, right? 30 best players in the world coming to Eastlake Golf Club, playing at the home of Bobby Jones. It ends where it all began. I mean, it's just yeah. it's the perfect story. Major League Rugby, there's a new expansion team in Atlanta. And right in our season, effectively, is February through June. Mm-hmm. And getting into May and June in Atlanta, New Orleans, Houston, Dallas, Austin. It's like all this, the northern teams are playing in the south the first eight weeks. You're on the road, and then you have to flip. But our, our experience, even though rugby, it's an 80-minute game, right? And okay. Mm-hmm in you're out but really what's what our fans have really liked is the festival feel of it is a lot else happening i think even our goal at the end of the day yes we want a compelling product on the field and it has a lot of drama you can see their faces it's a lot of the things that we love about american sport but it, it moves more quickly uh, it, and it's just a great there's hitting there's 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 running there's passing there's the beauty there's the physicality so the on-field product is actually pretty special but I think if we continue to do this right, it'll be people will leave and be like, oh, what was the score again? Because of all of the other parts of that festival experience. So I think you look to golf a lot in terms of how golf structures that experience. And it sounds like the changes that you guys have been able to do the last couple of years, you said there was additional experiences you did, like the VIP, the 1904 club. Fantastic. What are some of the other ones that you've, you've brought to, to the market? Sure. Um, and, and just what you said, right? You, you want to create an experience for your fans. And oh, by the way, there's a golf tournament happening as well. So you, you want people to walk away saying there's something for everybody. So we have a Coca-Cola lounge that we have on a green that interacts with specialty drinks, specialty cocktails, um, fun experiences inside, you know, with a virtual camera. Um, uh, swing simulator um, partnered with Victory Sandwiches, which is a great little restaurant here in Atlanta. We've got um, our Back Nine Brews, where we partner with a craft brewery and um, a Mexican restaurant to provide um, tacos and beers for our fans. We have the Ultra Club, which is a higher-end experience that's in the air-conditioned space that has uh, virtual games inside, uh, places where they can make koozies, you know, things of that nature. We've got, you know, the So Cool Zone, which is kind of our centralized location where our fan shop is. It's got a lot of our high-end food partners, but it's a place for kids. We've got the, the, um, the Atlanta Aquarium comes out and brings out animals. You've got interaction from different organizations that are in that space. So it's about making something available for every walk of life, right? So you've got your kids. You've got your families, you've got your sports socialites, you've got your drama seekers, you've got your golf fans. And what can you do to make something for each one of those segments? And that's what you have to do in order to bring in everybody. And then, and then a golf tournament happens, right? So it's um, picking and choosing all these little elements that, that impact you know, a full range of fans. Um, so no, no live, no hospitality this year. No ticket sales. Like, how are you guys managing as a business? How, what does that actually look like from a PL standpoint? Obviously, not the numbers or anything, but just how are you guys going to manage the, the fall off in that revenue, the ability to support the charities? So, getting really creative um, as we're working on uh, ways to really help bolster that charitable number. We are going to have a skins match that will happen uh, on Thursday of the tournament uh, that we will do for charity. Uh, Look, we are 
we're a little bit different than most tournaments because we do ultimately work um, and we are part of the PGA Tour. So it's about trying to stop the bleeding as much as possible, but working with our clients and partners, one, understanding that charity is, is the biggest thing that we need to focus on right now. So we're working with our clients to ask them, would you be willing to keep some of these dollars in place for our charitable partners that would go through PGA Tour charities, it would be a tax write-off. Um, because of the connection and our community is so strong with our charity, a lot of our clients are doing this, which is amazing. We're also trying to keep the money in-house and creating fun experiences for our clients. So the great thing about what's going on right now, look, let me preface this, nothing good is happening right now in terms of what's going on, but golf is being able to be played. And it is so healthy right now to get out and go golf. It's the only thing that is, is allowed in all 50 states right now. You can go golf anywhere. Aren't sales of golf equipment just skyrocketing? Skyrocketing. People are, you can't get enough of golf. So we're trying to, to talk to our clients about keeping that, those dollars in-house and being able to utilize the assets that the PGA Tour has to play golf. And then, you know, keeping that money and rolling it over to 2021. So our partners have been amazing throughout this time. They understand the challenges we're all going through. Look, the PGA Tour works with a lot of businesses and we need to make sure that those businesses are whole when it comes down to it. So it's, it's all about sharing the burden, right? We are, we're trying to make sure everybody is successful coming out of this whole situation. And, and we've got to give and we've got to get in certain situations. And, and we understand that's for our clients as well. So we're working with every single one on an individual basis and making sure that everyone is happy with the outcome. Um, for the tournament this year. It's amazing that you're working so hard to do that, and I love that. I just love the model where you guys give back so much to the community. So we're going to do rapid fire. I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions. And okay. If you could uh, redo your life, what is the biggest thing you would change? I could redo my life. The biggest thing that I would change, I think going back to, to what I said previous, listening more. Um, as a kid, you think you know everything, um, and you kind of let, let, let life slip by. Listening more, I think I would have, it would have been much more beneficial for me. Yeah, I love that. And I'm still working on that. My five-year-old certainly knows everything. <laughs> of course. Of course they do. Jeannie grants you one wish. Can can wish for more wishes. Uh, what would that be? It would be to meet a family member that has passed away that I never got the opportunity to meet. My grandmother passed away um, when my mom was 12. And I get my work ethic from my mom, so I would have loved to meet the woman that instilled that work ethic. Thank you. That is awesome. That is awesome. Also from Ohio? Is your mom side from Ohio? Ohio, Pennsylvania-ish area, yeah. But her mom came directly from Ireland, so. Yeah, so hard farming. Yep. Uh, favorite golf movie? Um, <laughs> Happy Gilmore. God, I love it. Uh, Gilmore, Gilmore, it works out. I mean, he, he played at the pool championship, yeah. right? Tin Cup is a really good one, too. I really like that one as well. That is a good one. Um, if Free Jacks merchandise, what's your favorite Free Jacks merchandise? And what size are you? Okay, so um, the flannel pants. Yeah. I, I would live in flannel pants if I could. And the bucket hat. I really like the bucket hat. Okay. Um, so those are my favorites. Okay, Anna. What's something you've never done but would love to try? 
never done before. I want to try indoor skydiving. Indoor? I would never hop out of a plane. Yeah. But I want to try the indoor one. And I've never done it before. And it's, it's, I know it's simple and I could probably go do it any day of the week. I just haven't done it yet. But that's yeah. one of them. Like floating in a thing and you see people get like shot out to the side if you don't do it right. Yeah. Nope. That's what I want to do. Awesome. And this is, this is one I always end with. And uh, it's been great. You're running the free jacks. What would you focus on? Fan experience. Fan experience is, is the number one. Because if you don't, uh, if you don't have a great fan experience, you don't have a great product period. Like, you know, you could have the, one of the best, most exciting games on the, you know, out of any sport. But if the fan runs into issues in the parking lot at concessions, you know, they're going to, their whole mindset is going to be different. So the fan experience is the most important thing in my personal opinion. Driveway to driveway, nowhere to go when they arrive. So exactly. Make it easy. Everybody's part of the culture. It's easy, easy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Okay. So great. That was so enriching for me. I learned quite a bit. It was great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. So every, I can watch September 4th through the 7th. You can. So we'll be on NBC, um, Golf Channel and NBC. Um, another great thing that happens the week of the Tour Championship is the Payne Stewart Award that's brought to you by Southern Company. And that will be on Golf Channel as well. That'll happen Wednesday night. Typically, it's Tuesday night. So our schedule shifted. We moved back a week and a day in order to accommodate some of the new schedule changes. So... Paint store tour will happen on Wednesday and then play will, will happen on Friday, ending on Monday. Typically, it's a Thursday to Sunday finish, but we end on Labor Day. That's awesome. Well, best of luck. And, and, and our, our, our fans and listeners, how do they get a hold of you on Twitter? Twitter, I'm AllieT23. Um, same on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, but definitely want to follow Tour Championship handles. And we're at Playoff Finale with three Fs. Playoff finale. Finale. That is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, you for having me. Yeah. It was really awesome. appreciate it. Next week, I welcome special guest. Friend, executive at Interrupted, two-time Emmy Sports nominee, former NFL player, Andrew Hawkins. You just can't miss this conversation. Tune in next week to Full Contact CEO.